0: War or let's get it all on I'ma fight till I die, Christ fights for my living I Got my mind made up And I'm ready to go On the front line, fuse lit, ready to blow Wait, you want the boom sound, here comes the boom now War with us uh, Was
1: the boom too loud?
0: Well, hello again, and welcome to the front porch. You're on the Pastor and People podcast, and this is your host, Isaac Adams, and I am sitting here with the Right Reverend Thabidi on your
1: your (laughs) buile. Thank you guys for joining us on the porch, man. Good. Good to
0: see you, man, and good to be back with you on the porch. We're in this series in this month of November called You Need More Than a Church, You Need a Shepherd. Right, and we last time we talked about some of the things shepherds do: knowing the sheep, feeding the sheep, leading the sheep, protecting the sheep. Um, and this time, T, I want to talk to you about how many shepherds does a church need? Because I think a lot of people could hear those wonderful encouragements from last time and say, "How am I going to do all that?" Right? I'm one man, or You know, we're only three men. How can we do all this? So I think it's a natural question. How many shepherds does a
1: church need? That's a great question. And um, the short answers uh, to that is twofold. One, a church needs as many shepherds as God raises up and the the existing shepherds can train. Uh, And two, a church needs as many shepherds as are required to care for all the sheep in the flock. Um so we really ought to set a goal as shepherds that, that we deliver all the sheep safely home, that we don't we don't lose one. Uh again, and there's so many parables from our Lord that, that teach that point, that remind us that the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and get the one. Um he certainly is the embodiment of that. Um and so we need as many shepherds as are required to make sure all the sheep are led safely home. Uh, and as many shepherds as God raises up in the local congregation. And really, th- those, two, those two answers really reflect two things. One, um, when we say we need as many shepherds as God raises up, we're recognizing that shepherds are gifts from God, okay. and they ought to be recognized with joy. So we don't want to turn our nose up uh, at what God gives to his church. And then secondly, we're recognizing when we say that shepherds, we need as many shepherds as are required to care for all the sheep and not lose one. um, We're recognizing the importance of individual soul care. Mm. That 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 care for every sheep in the fold uh, is critical. um, Because we don't want to lose a single sheep, a single lamb, that Christ has purchased by his blood. Um, And this is one of the reasons why I think the Bible uh, refers to elders almost always in the plural, yeah. uh, not not singularly, uh, and why the, the New Testament shows for us this example and this, and this command that multiple elders are to serve in, in a church. I think of Acts chapter 14, verse 23, where we read there, when they had appointed elders, plural, for them in every church. So there's this plural elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And you think about a place like uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul says to Titus, Listen, man, the reason why I left you in Crete, your, your reason for existing right now, is to put what remains into order. And then he tells us what that is. And appoint elders, plural, in every town. And, uh, and so we, we need multiple elders, uh, qualified, committed shepherds, to be recognized in our congregation. And that will be for the happiness of pastors, because they'll have some help and some encouragement, yep. accountability, and that'll be for the happiness of the sheep, because they will they will not be neglected, but will be tended and watched over and cared for.
0: Okay. So a church needs elders, plural. You mm-hmm. see that's normative, even from scripture, from that example in Acts and Titus, in every church and mm-hmm. every church in the city. So you mentioned that elders are a gift, how do you go about getting more gifts you know in a way that's not <laughs> selfish, but how you know I want more gifts, I need more gifts in my church? How do you go about getting more of these men if
1: it's not something that can just be microwaved right mm-hmm. and now it comes an elder mm-hmm. Well, I think there are three things that we want to keep in mind there, just in principle, and then we can talk about practically if you want to yeah. some steps for pursuing that uh, so so three things that uh, you want to keep in mind uh, first is that. Elders then are recognized primarily, right? If they're gifts from the Lord, uh, and he gives them to his church, Ephesians 4 and so on, then part of what we're just trying to do is to sort of recognize uh, who he has gifted in that way and who seems to be serving in that way already, uh, and then acknowledging uh, that, that that's what's happened in that person's life and is happening in the life of the congregation. Okay? Okay. So first, how do you get more? You recognize them. You, you develop antennae. Uh, that go out sort of looking for uh, those things, you want a kind of spidey sense uh, sort of
0: tingle you <laughs> around an elder right. um, so, do, so just to be clear, elders then are already eldering before they 're
1: recognized then. In, in the best case scenario, uh, there are exceptions to that, right. but I think part of what a congregation wants to look out for, part of what other shepherds want to look out for is just this question: who seems to already be shepherding people? you know they, they don 't have a title. And not looking for the title, they're not jockeying for a position. But when you sort of think about your church and think through your membership directory, who's that guy that seems always to be caring for people? Uh people tend to go to him for counsel. Um he seems to be capable with God's word. Um, you know, he, he's already shepherding. And and that's where you want to begin. That, that's what you want to recognize first. But not only are they recognized, they're also prepared. So Second Timothy chapter two, verse two where Paul exhorts young Timothy, the pastor, to find other faithful men and to teach them and to transfer to them what he's received from Paul so that they too might be able to teach others. Um, So the Christian ministry is a relay race in that way. We're always passing the baton uh, to other runners who run with us in this. Um, And so we recognize them, but we also have to prepare uh, men for this service. Um, and, and so, in principle, that's what I think you want to be thinking about. You want to develop that posture um, in that way, but, which brings us sort of thirdly to the practical thing. And and this is going to depend in some ways on a, on, a, on a pastor's or existing shepherd's particular context. But in most of the African American church, um, most churches don't have elders, or they have a single elder. They have a single they have a senior pastor. Uh, who's an elder or a shepherd. Um, and most churches, many churches will kill their pastor by trying to make him the shepherd of, of all the people. You know that, That's the expectation. Um, and sometimes people develop this attitude that says um, they, they don't want to really receive shepherding care from anyone other than the senior pastor. Um, and so they kind of minimize really the gifts and ministry of other, of other people. Uh, even if they're not sort of thinking of it that way, um, and so depending on your context, you you may have a lot of groundwork to do before you get to multiple elders, before you get to multiple shepherds. So let's let's assume that. Let's assume a guy is in a church. Uh, he's the only elder, the only shepherd. Um, he's maybe got deacons, probably got some trustees, and he may be in a church where people hear the word elders. Uh, and and they're thinking Presbyterianism, right. uh, or you know some other kind of denomination, but not we've never done that, and that's where you're starting from. I th- I think I want to lay out sort of several practical things. First is simply this: just teach the Bible. Just teach the Bible. Get the people used to hearing the Bible and obeying the Bible. Right. So if they come to acquaint your ministry with the Word that what you do Sunday after Sunday and church meeting after church meeting and counseling session after counseling session is open the scripture, explain the scripture, apply the scripture, and call them to honor and obey the scripture, then it won't be strange to them when you come around to introducing something new, like elders, uh, new not to the scriptures, but to their their church. It won't be strange to them to hear you call them to obey that. So, just spend years teaching the Bible and uh, and making the Bible plain. second thing I would say is this: explain both the fact that in in almost everywhere in the scriptures, you see multiple elders, multiple shepherds um, serving and leading the churches. Explain that fact and then also explain the benefits of that yeah right so you know some people will see the the conversation about having multiple elders, and this is kind of strange, but I've heard it in more than one situation where, where guy has introduced this to the church and the church has said, we, we don't want this to happen. And they think the pastor is making a power play, right? right. <laughs> and, they, and they think that probably because there's been another way of doing things, maybe the deacons have run the church or the trustees, uh, and they see it from their vantage point as a redistribution of authority in the church. And they think he's making a grab for power. But in fact, if, if he's a humble man, a godly man, and going to have multiple elders the way the scripture lays it out, he's actually giving away authority. Uh, he's just trying to do it in a way that's consistent with the Bible uh, and, and the offices of the Bible. Uh, but explaining that there, there are going to be benefits, there, there are going to be people watching over your soul, your your soul as a shepherd, as a chief shepherd, under-shepherd, um, because every pastor needs pastors, right? Uh, explain that there are going to be more people uh, caring for the congregation. There's going to be the multiplying of gifts and service and equipping of the saints. Um, explain that it, it's it's to the church's benefit to have multiple elders in case the lead elder gets sick or dies or called somewhere else. There have been other men there groomed leading the church, and, and that group of men uh, establish continuity, you know, across ministries. Uh, and, and there are others, but, uh, you know, explain that this is a matter of obedience to the scripture, and like all of God's instructions, it brings blessings to the people. You know, make that plain. The third thing I would say, then, is, is really model a willingness to lay down your rights and privileges and authority as a pastor, right? Um, so... When, when a shepherd leaves the church to identify other shepherds he really needs to be seen to do that in such a way uh, and to maybe have it already established this habit <clears throat> of distributing that responsibility and authority in meaningful ways right so I've been in many churches where you know a guy has 20 pulpit associates you know you got all these ministers sitting up there they got two, three rows they take up uh, you ask the question, what do they do? And 75% of them, just you know, don't do anything, really. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, those are persons who feel a call to pastor on some level, who feel a call to shepherd in some level, uh, and probably are being underutilized if that's true of the church. Mm-hmm. So what, what that, that senior pastor needs to do is to take all of that kind of authority that the congregation gives him, and in visible, humble, joyful ways spread it out. So the people get used to that and and know that they can look to others uh, for care and leadership. Uh, A fourth thing to do, uh, teach the congregation what to look for and what their role is in in getting elders. So, you know, walk them through the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus. Walk them through the qualifications for elders in 1st Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1. Um, Let them know that they're looking for character and not popularity. Mm -hmm. You know, help them to know they're not looking for the most influential men in the community. To serve in this role. They're looking for the godliest men in the church to serve in this role. Um, and then help them to know, based upon your polity, what their part is. If you're Baptist church and you're congregational uh, and the congregation calls its leaders, uh, walk them through that. How to think about that and what your own church's processes are for doing that. Um, it'd be helpful, number five, as you're going through a process like this, to put good books in people's hands. Um, you know, read um, something like the the Shepherd Leader, which we talked about in the last episode. Uh, together as a church, read something like the Trellis and the Vine, a wonderful book on ministry and on this point of training others for the work of ministry. Uh, William Steele's little book uh, on on the on the Shepherd, just um, just a wonderful book. You know, so put good stuff in your people's hands, and, and this has a, an unexpected benefit oftentimes. Uh, your people begin to realize that this ain't just something you made up. Right. That you're not just some weirdo. Like, <laughs> I mean, you might be a weirdo, but but that this is actually a lot of other people think this, right? Um, and so they begin to say, "Oh, wait a minute. Okay, we, we're not walking alone on this path. Right. There are others who thought about the Bible in this area." and see it the way our pastor is, is right. teaching us.
0: And T, if I can, before you hop on to the sixth benefit, mm-hmm. let me just add, uh, you've written a book called Finding Faithful Elders and Deacons that uh, we'll talk about how you find these men and recognize them in a little bit. But I would also commend that to any listener. Uh, it's a wonderful book uh, to help you in this process of recognizing the, shep- the shepherds in your body. So I'm just going to throw that in there. Well, praise God,
1: brother. And then the last thing I'd say of all this stuff you know, that we've talked about, uh, wait until your people start asking. When you when you have taught them, taught them, taught them, and given them good reading material or other resources to consider, um, wait until they start asking. Well, when are we going to do this? Right? Then you're ready to make the move with the church. You know, if they're still if they're still saying, "No, I don't know. I don't understand this," or "This ain't how we've done it before," if, they, if they're still that kind of either uncertainty or resistance or or even just lack of information, you're not ready yet. You want this transition to be deep and lasting and joyful. Uh, and one indication for that is when the people start turning around to you and saying, Pastor, you've been talking about this for, you know, however long, when are we going to do it? Um, and when that's a critical mass, not one or two persons, right. but when you, when you're starting to sense that from the whole congregation, that's when you're sort of ready to start making the practical move to having multiple shepherds if you don't have them already. That's good, T. You.
0: So you've given some wonderful exhortations and encouragements to the pastors and mm-hmm. how to lead this. What can you specifically say for the members then? Uh, you've, you've implied it, but to the members about receiving this instruction, this might be brand new mm-hmm. for some listeners, right?
1: What would you say to encourage them? That's a good question, man. I think the first thing to say is just, um, brother, sister, Christian, be teachable. Be teachable. What do I mean by that? If he shows you the text in context, without pretext, then all he's asking you to do is obey the Bible. Recognize that. And even if you have uh, some some suspicions or lingering doubts, you're never going to be wrong to obey the Bible. Amen. Right? So be, be teachable uh, and, and receive God's word for what it really is, the word of God. Uh, And and humble yourself under that. And recognize that everywhere you refuse to obey the Bible, number one, you sin. Number two, you set the church up for trouble. Because if you're not going to obey the Bible as the plumb line, as the standard for unity, then all you're left with are your own personal preferences. And everybody has preferences. And so at some point, that's going to be a train wreck. Um, so everywhere that you refuse to obey the Bible, you sin, you set the church up for trouble. And number three, you're really going to rob yourself of joy uh, because the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. Uh, they're meant to give us joy. And uh, what you want to do is, as, as a person, as a member in the church, who is under the teaching responsibility and authority of, of your leaders, is you want to organize yourself under them and under the Word. Now, it's fair game to ask questions if something's not clear or if something's contradictory, uh, at least from where you're sitting. It's that you want to lean into that and, and be an active learner. You want to be passive in this, but you do want to be a joyful, humble learner and accept everything that's clear in, in the Word of
0: God. Amen. So let's assume someone's then been, they've uh, received the teaching and they see, they see that, wow, this is for my joy and my church's joy. Mm-hmm. What would your encouragement then be uh, for the person who's wondering, what do I do when I think I have an elder, right? Mm-hmm. What do I do when I think I can recognize this person? How do I
1: even go about doing that? Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, a couple quick things. One, pray. Right, seek the Lord in intercession and in asking for His will. Uh, our own Lord, before He chose His disciples, prayed, uh, and we should we should pray and and pray some more. Uh, thinking of Paul's uh, warning in First Timothy, not to lay hands on any man hastily. We don't need to be in a hurry here. We'd we be prayerful and patient. So number one, pray. Uh, number two, evaluate. Right. So evaluate that man, his character, against the character qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Is he above reproach? Is he hospitable? Is he able to teach? Is he uh, the husband of one wife? Does he lead his home well? All those things there. Uh, evaluate his character. Uh, but also uh, evaluate his competence. Uh, again, is he able to teach? Is he, is he able to do the work of ministry? And have we seen him in some opportunities um, for, for doing ministry and evaluating that or do we need to create some opportunities for that so uh, evaluate his character evaluate confidence uh, evaluate uh, his conviction as well where is he theologically uh, does he agree with the church's statement of faith is he uh, in agreement with the church's ministry philosophy um, is he committed to the same things that the existing leaders are committed to in terms of For example, the centrality of the preach word, or uh, the importance of membership, covenant membership in the church. Uh, Is he on board? You know, with those things that are peculiar to your church, uh, in that way. Um, And again, a a great book to plug again uh, is is Payne and Marshall's wonderful book, *The Trellis and the Vine*, where they walk through this so wonderfully and so readably. Uh, So, first, pray. Two, evaluate. Three. If he's still passing passing muster, um, then train him, right? So that could look like all kinds of things. If it's just a pastor in a small church and it's just one other guy who seems to be rising up, meeting one-on-one and discipling him one-on-one uh, would be fine. If you've got maybe a small church or a medium or large church and you've got a few guys for whom that's true, you might create a, a sort of leadership training small group. Um, And and in that training, you want to walk them through, again, theological issues. Make sure they're uh, kind of solid theologically and biblically. Uh, In that training, you might want to give attention to helping them grow as men who handle the scriptures uh, publicly or in the life of the church. Um, So some teaching on on teaching and preaching. Um, You want to walk them through the organizing documents of your church. you got a constitution, statement of faith, church covenant. Maybe you guys have written some position papers over the years. Um, Again, you want to help him get that history and get that DNA. So take your time walking through those things, discussing those things as a way of bringing him on board. Um, And and other good books and resources in the ministry. So train the guy, give him opportunity to serve, invest in him, and continue to watch and pray. And then finally, when you feel like, yeah, I think this guy's an elder, Uh, that's when you're ready to go to congregation, and that's when you're ready to go through whatever process you have for perhaps nominating a guy, uh, having the congregation test his sense of call, Um, and if if you're congregational, bringing that to a vote in the congregation at some suitable time. Um, Or maybe you have a different polity that has a a different kind of process for ordination and so on. Um, But at the point that you've done your work with him, and you think, yeah, he's still an elder, That's when you want to initiate that process. Alright,
0: amen. Well thank you T for that counsel and that exhortation. Uh we're excited to see uh in this next episode we're gonna talk a little bit about um what are the difficulties then of this shepherding, of this burden and of this great work. So we'll see you next time on Pastor and People. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. This is a war, but we win the devil started, but we've been Christ, and we win as more than conquerors delivered the living. We fight,
1: we pray, we war,
0: we slay, we get up every day, and we conquer when it's day in a war or an escape. We in a war or let's get it all on We in a war or oh. let's get it all
1: on, oh. on. I'ma fight till I die Christ fights for my living I got my mind made